Welcome to 353rd, a bi-weekly podcast discussing the impact of the internet on business. This is episode 49. Today is Friday, February 8th, 2013. I am Anders Brownworth. I'm Scott Barstow. Scott, we have snowpocalypse uh, raining down upon us, uh, those of us up in the frigid north. I am in the Boston area. Apparently, we're, we're just in the very beginnings of this, but the snow is coming down like like it's nobody's business. And interestingly, the, the governor has shut down. You're not allowed to drive on the roads in the entire state. Wow. So that, it's a true <laughs> that state crazy? of emergency. Yeah. Same, same, I believe, is true of Connecticut. Um, yeah. just I would suspect to, that's probably true of the New York metro area to the extent they can as well. Yeah. They, I just talked to my mom down in New York, and, uh, and they haven't, they're not shutting down the roads, but it is apparently coming down pretty good. So I'm looking forward to this. We're supposed to get two feet. Uh, two to three feet, which is exactly what I want. I, I may be a little odd, but I love I love the snow. Maybe that's why yeah. I'm up here. The wind's going to be blowing like wicked hard, right? That's yeah, true. That's true. It is. So there was uh, some crazy guy in my building here that actually had his window open, if you can believe it, with all the <laughs> snow coming in. I, I, it was open for like four or five hours. Apparently, you just shut it, though. All right. That's so all funny. is well in the world. <laughs> That's funny. Now, yeah. A very quick uh, sideline there. I went to school with a guy who was from Minnesota. His name was Dirk Gasterland, <laughs> and, which is a great name, by the way. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, Especially in Minnesota. Yeah. So went to school in Oklahoma where in the wintertime, it can just get brutally cold because the wind blows all the time there. Yeah. And Nothing to stop know, it. Nothing to stop it. It's just flat. And yeah. so you get these days where the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour and it's 20 degrees and it feels like it's about 50 below. Yeah. And Dirk would, in the middle of the coldest days and nights, would sleep with the, with the window open. See, I can understand that. I, in my ideal world, the, the temperature is a good 30, 40 degrees colder than a normal house would be while I'm sleeping. What, what, what made it really fun was his roommate was from california <laughs> that's awesome and okay, he would be his that. roommate would be under like six blankets yeah just trying to survive I and dirk it. would be up there no blankets <laughs> nothing just sprawled out <laughs> that's perfect yeah big fan so uh i understand you just caught an episode of the famed show shark tank yeah, I've I've been avoiding think? the show. Yeah, why? Just because well, first of all, I don't watch hardly any TV. And yeah. I'm not saying that to sound like I'm smarter than everybody else or anything like that. I just but don't watch a lot of TV. Got it. So, <laughs> but I, last night I was in one of those moods where you just want to sit and do nothing. Yeah. And happened I was sitting with my with my kids and and there wasn't much on, so I flip, I'm going through the channels and I stumble upon Shark Tank. Yeah. Was it what one was, with, uh, with, uh, with Mark Cuban on it? It was. So okay, it was Mark good. Cuban. I don't know all the guys, but it's the guy from uh, – it was Mark Cuban. There was a, there was a tall, bald-headed guy. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, I think is his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a girl. I don't remember her name. Then Robert was a guy. Yeah, right. And then there was the guy that started FUBU, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, clothing. Clothing guy. Uh-huh. Special so they, guest. Yeah. So they have these guys on there. And everybody knows what the show is, so I won't go into that. But what was really interesting to me is at the the very last group to present was a husband and wife. And they had this product that I thought was really cool. It Not cool, but a really great idea, which yeah. was 
they basically reinvented the sippy cup. Mm-hmm. And it was called Lala Cup or something like that. So they, this couple, they started it in their garage and you know made all of the prototypes themselves. Really, really great presentation. And they came in looking for a hundred thousand dollars, and uh, and in in exchange for fifteen percent of the company, so five hundred thousand dollar valuation or whatever it was. Yeah. What was interesting to watch for me was everybody. You know, well, let me rewind. So these guys made a huge mistake in that they had signed an exclusive sales deal with some sales agency, but the but the the terms of the deal had they had no no bare minimum no minimums or anything to hit. It was just exclusive countrywide U.S. wide for a year, and so the 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 panel or whatever just reamed them for that. Just yeah. horrible decision, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. So they get to the the part where everybody starts offering to you know to invest or whatever, and everybody's interested except the girl, yeah, who was as she said it's just not her. She doesn't know anything about the space, so she so she's out. Yeah, and the first guy offers a hundred grand for half the company. Jeez, yeah. And I thought, I mean, this is the I watched a half of a show, and this was by far and away the best idea. It, I mean, having had kids. They had solutions to things that are huge problems with sippy cups. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, you came in here looking for a hundred grand at a at a half million dollar valuation. He's offering you a hundred grand at two. Oh wait, half fifteen percent, hundred thousand, that's one point five million, no? Yes, sorry, one point five. Yeah. Not not five hundred thousand. Sorry. Yeah. My mistake. So the the anyway, so they offer they just beat they browbeat these guys yeah. believing that their company's not worth anywhere anything near that. Yeah. And they start off, you know, it's just complete low ball when it's obvious that they're all interested and think it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and they start bidding against each other. And eventually one of the guys, uh who was it? Uh the Fubu guy. Yeah. Offers a hundred grand for thirty percent of the company. Yeah. And it's the best deal, right? It's the best yeah. thing. It's the best offer they get. And they him and haw. And 20 seconds later, he pulls the offer off the table because he says, you guys are too slow. <laughs> and so he pulls the offer off the table. Yeah, right. And <laughs> it was what was fascinating to me was that these guys would come in and have a legitimate product and be willing to – they ended up settling for four, uh, 100 grand and 40% of the company. Okay. So they coughed up forty percent of the company. Sheesh. Yeah, to get for there. Grand. And oh. and uh, and it was interesting to see how far they went in the space of literally five minutes. Yeah. See, that's my problem with it. I know it's. I know there's a, uh, a there. There's quite an analog there with the real VC round. You're literally not giving it the time it needs to really investigate. Well, what are your financials like? You know, I, I assume they check a lot of that stuff sort of off camera or, or at another time, but the 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 buy decision is just so you can't come off of five a five minute pitch and be in or not. It's just nice, unrealistic. Well, the other thing is that you're you've you're dealing with the so all of the guys on the panel very experienced. You know, you've got these guys that are really experienced, know what they're doing. 
and are there and it's I felt like and that's obviously why it's called Shark Tank, but they're really just I mean these guys had no business giving up that much of the company. Yeah. For that much money. Yeah, I know. It was it was a much better idea. And they stole these guys stole a significant chunk of the company. Yeah. And it was only because there was time pressure. Yeah. And you know, it's and I get that's the theater of the show. But do they actually do the deal if they say, okay, we'll take your deal at forty percent? Do they actually do that deal or they subject it to you know, review, make sure all the books are where they should be, and at the end of the day, they can decide not to do it? I don't know. I would yeah. assume there's some way for them to back out if something stinks. It's got to be know, a way if, for the sharks to back out, but wonder yeah. if there is for the uh, the entrepreneur. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, but anyway, it was uh, it was interesting theater, but it made me think, you know, I don't get why somebody that – I get why you do it to get PR for your idea. Yeah. I don't know why you would go on there – and I actually try and get money that way because if you have a really good idea, yeah. you're, go- you're giving up a huge portion. There's no way that you get a real deal. Like if you, know, uh, you don't get a real – You don't get a fair deal. You don't get a fair deal or the optimal deal for you or them, I would argue. Maybe, maybe they get the optimal deal. No, no, no. They don't, if they take too much, your heart is not in it, everybody that's fails. That's right. So yeah, I, that's I, true. I don't – yeah. I think yeah. it's – you know, it's probably not ideal, but I mean, the the thing though that I do like about this show is that it gets everybody talking about this whole idea. Yes. Like, how do you get money? Oh, you have to get money. Oh, you give something up to get money. I see. It's not just free money on a tree. That's right. You know, it kind of gets kids talking about that and thinking in that way. Well, um, what was really cool was I had you know my nine year old and twelve year old sitting right there with oh, me, right. and as yeah. and as we were going through it, you know, because halfway through this last thing, they break for commercial. Yeah. And so I said, here's yeah. what's happening. What do you think they should do? Yeah. And I, you know, and it was just, okay, they're offering this for that. How how much if he offers a hundred grand and the company's worth X, how much does he get? And yeah. so we yeah, just yeah, started yeah, yeah, working yeah. through all the scenarios. Well, what would you do? What do you think they should do? Yeah. And it was really interesting. Like they my kids were right on it. They had really, really? cool yeah, they were just bang, yeah, okay, he gets twenty percent. Not really. You know, that's and, awesome. And yeah, you know, well do you done. think do you think he should do it? Yeah. No, they're giving up too much. This is a good idea. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And what was interesting, the the one right before it, the idea right before it was this clothing thing that I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. And so I I turned to my daughter during while that was going on, I said, Is that pretty cool? And she's like, No, that's awful. <laughs> and and so I was like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't do clothing. Because, yeah, it'd be good to, yeah, I could never be on that show because I have no, you know, I can't tell you what, you know, what somebody's little clothing invention or, or new bracelet or whatever. It's, I have no feel for that. And, right. and you know, I couldn't make a, I would just always be out. I sit there thinking, you know, if I were sitting on that couch listening to this pitch, my in or out, I'm out on probably 99% of it. Right. There's well, very the, little. The girl and the FUBU guy were just nailing these the girls that were pitching this clothing idea. Like like shooting her down or Yeah, just yeah, good. Uh, they yeah. were just hammering her. Yeah. And because they, <laughs> they came unprepared, it was clear yeah. they weren't ready. Yeah. And and you know, this guy had the benefit, of course, of being in the clothing business. And so he asked at point at one point asked the question about, you know, well, okay, you were at this flea market. How many did you sell? Yeah. 
And they were like, well, you know, we didn't sell any because we didn't have it. He said, that's baloney. Let me tell you how when I was starting my clothing line, when you show up, show up somewhere and people actually want what you have. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. And he said, if you went to a flea market or, you know, this market and you didn't get any orders, then you don't have a good idea. Yeah, that's awesome. Just and it was just them. bang, out. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, anyway, very. Right. En- it was entertaining in some ways, but I felt I I have to imagine that ten minutes after they made the decision to take that money, yeah, they probably had Regretted. serious buyer's remorse. Uh, yeah, serious or seller's remorse in their case. Yeah. Well, they bought. They bought a. You know, they bought a partner. Um, so. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, anyway. All right. That's enough. That's enough Shark Tank. I think. Mm. <laughs> Indeed. So, what else has happened in the news? Well, the big, I think the big news of this week, of course, is Dell going private. Dell going private. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I mean, there's the obvious uh, uh, statements everybody makes about that because of this sort of the opposite end of the coin that they were on 10 years ago. That's right. But it is certainly a seminal moment. I mean, you know, there's a, Clay Christensen did a great uh review of of dell essentially uh of their business and how they got eaten from the bottom yeah that's uh, and, right and they gave away is, all their secrets essentially they essentially did over time and it and, and it got to say you know it always made sense every move they made it was it did made very were, logical sense it did yeah. they were cutting you know cutting costs cutting and costs and focusing moving on stuff offshore and all the things they did made so much sense yeah. when they were doing it focusing and, on high margin and yep. like Everything made all the sense in the incremental world, but yep. then suddenly <laughs> the rug was pulled out, and it's it's easy to kind of like point at at uh, you know one or two different uh, uh, players and say it's they did it. It's probably not. It's probably a a big wide range of things that ultimately you know ripped away that market. But you know at the end of the day, HP was kind of really just doing better in the in the the pc market um probably because they bought compaq and they bought everybody else but um i think h the thing hp did was they started to make uh they focused you know for a few years there they really focused on the like the home entertainment side of it where they all of their ad campaign was around doing cool stuff with the computer yeah instead of just being this boring you know dell business thing and Dell didn't ever seem to escape just being the commodity, you know, I need to order 50 laptops for my sales team. So, of course, I'll order Dell because they're cheap. Yeah. I felt like they got too close to Lenovo in terms yeah. of the just the quality and, and all of those kinds of things. And HP seemed to figure out at some point that if you make something a little bit better that's got a few more – that's actually focused on doing – a few things that people might be interested in. Uh, it seemed to be a better strategy. I mean, they had the Beats thing with Dr. Dre, and you know they had some interesting marketing partnerships. And they, you never saw an interesting Dell ad. You never saw an interesting. It was all just this company that cranked these things out. Yeah, it's true. Well, and, so here's you know, the way. You know, having having been in a position where I'm basically buying, I, I was Dell's customer for a long time. Uh, as was I for years. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So I was always looking. I would never really look at Dell for their uh, their desktop machines. That was kind of like, oh yeah, cheapest. Well, I'll do it. 
However, they were really inno- innovating on the server side. They, they always were. Their stuff was fantastic. Yeah, there was this like time right around 2002 or so where they started up with the Power Edge uh, thing, and they just got on a roll. And they had what you needed in the server farm in a yeah. server machine. Now, nowadays, that's that's there's probably Supermicros doing a better job. But um, back in the day, like you get a Dell machine, and it was just what you needed. I yeah, mean, it and was it was nothing. Solid, yeah, it was yeah. just just cranked and it was it, it was affordable for i mean we spent how many of those did we buy at bandwidth it was just yeah i don't know it was just yeah, racks and racks of 1750s yeah, 1950s all these things yeah we had at least a hundred of them um and then and then we went to the dell blades later on that wasn't really my thing but uh yeah. but we had you know we had a bunch of those boxes and then we we ended up i uh, remember a one of the big projects that spawned the uh uh, origination termination business of the company, basically the VoIP business of the company, was a box we had built sort of on the side, like by this company that just made boxes. wasn't Dell because we needed a a cheaper, lower capacity box. Right. But if if they were things that were going to be in a farm and needed to be rack and stackable and pull this and change that, it was it was Dell for forever. It right? was. And I think that, you know, that may still be there for them a bit, but uh, I don't know. It's coming in on all sides, I guess. Yeah. I, what do you think about Microsoft being a part of it, of the transaction? I, th- I, I thought think that brilliant. was interesting. I think it is too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's just the way they did with Apple. Uh, you know, let's step in in their moment of need. And they, uh, it's brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's I, I, I wonder what everybody else who sells, you know, Windows, I wonder if they're, Sort of taking a step back They're and saying, "They're quaking Whoa. in their boots." Absolutely, the OEMs are are yeah are worried because it's. I have to believe that there's going to be that they have to be thinking about using Dell as a way to make their own equipment. Yeah, it has to be for sure. Have to be thinking about oh, it. Oh, for sure, and and you know, especially you know, you can look at the the way that they're. Uh, doing stuff with their tablet strategy and all. I'm sure there's probably something in the works. But, you know, I would have said the same thing about when Google bought uh, Motorola. Mm-hmm. But it really looks like Google has been hands-off on Motorola, letting Mo- Motorola run its business. That's um, right. You know, so that's, uh, you know, I don't know. It could go either way. I don't really see Microsoft as very similar to Google, though. Um, so that's probably, you know, that's probably a little different. Um Anyway, so you were telling me about this Facebook Connect thing. I didn't see this. But, yeah, and, um, and I, me. you know, the yesterday apparently the Facebook Connect API went offline. Nice. Which is, you know, that's going to happen from time to time. It happens to everybody. I think the what was interesting to watch was the cascade of sites that it took with it. Yeah. And so big sites like CNN, MSNBC, Yelp. It's just ridiculous. It just went. You know, went completely offline and redirected to a Facebook error page. The entire site. You're kidding. Yeah. So that's a major. That's a major miscalculation on CNN side, on MSNBC, Yelp, on all their sides. Yeah, it's interesting that you and everybody makes this mistake that you take these things for granted, and you think, of course, Facebook will never go completely offline. That will never happen. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. they're too big, they're too everybody's depending on them. There's no way that happens. Yeah. And then it does. I mean, it still happens with Twitter every now and then. It's yeah. obviously much less than the old fail whale days. Sure. But these services, there's no guarantee. And I remember it's probably three 
three, four weeks ago, Gmail went offline yeah. for mm-hmm. for just it was probably five minutes. Yeah. And I mean the outcry was yes. it was blood curdling for sure. <laughs> so so you build your your site and you you do a Facebook tie-in, you like you have to have a back. You have to have a fallback. You do. You just I can't, you know, I mean there there's gotta be a way that somebody can at least just browse and read, not actually participate if you if the Facebook thing disappears. You know somebody some heads are rolling on that. They're probably getting fired. Oh, um, I have to imagine, yeah. Yeah, the same discussion comes up with uh, EC two when Amazon goes down. The Amazonification yep. of all these you know, all these websites are all running on Amazon. Uh yep. it's quick to scale. But man, if it goes down, everybody falls off the cliff together. Yeah, um, it's absolutely true. I wonder and we don't need to. We've talked about Amazon a ton, but I wonder if, I mean, I, I although it's more expensive, I tend to like services like Rackspace, which just seem to just go, go, go. And Amazon, you know, well, EC2 has. I know EC2 goes down once a year, but man, that one day is painful. It is painful. But the thing is, so Rackspace, so they all have their own little problems, right? So the the strategy. So back in the day, we only had slag in farms, you know, giant metal boxes in farms. And that's all we had. And then, uh, virtualization became supported in the, in the chips, you know, just hardware virtualization support in the Intel processors and the AMD processors. And then suddenly this whole thing started. And so Amazon, you know, seems to have really scooped up a lot of that market, but Rackspace is huge. There are others, Joyant's working on a totally different thing, uh, you know, but the similar idea and, so where you know most companies I've seen, or, or certainly startups, are flocking toward a virtualized uh, setup because you can get going and scale up fast. It doesn't cost much to get going. You can scale fast, whatever, right? Yep. But for example, for for us, for at uh, bandwidth, we didn't totally make that move for good reasons. We these are reasons that a lot of people don't have. Like if you were just running a web business, it's probably you, know, you should probably start it in in a in a virtualized server farm like Amazon or, or Rackspace. But down the road, you know, when when you are really scaling out, if you need more distributed uh, nodes than they're going to give you, or you need, in our case, uh, timing tolerance, we need very tight tolerance on timing, and you're not going to get that in a virtualized instance. Right. You're really going to get that on the bare metal OS. Um, so that kind of stuff. But you can. You can buy that stuff, incidentally, in Rackspace. You need dedicated machines in Rackspace. So it's still possible. Um, it's, just a, it's just essentially a different product. Right. Actually and runs. I think that in some ways that's ideal because you're not having to worry about the overhead of maintaining it yourself. Yeah, that's you know, right. Making sure you've got the generators and worrying about all of that rot. Yeah. But so here, so it brings me to this point. Like, all unfortunately, the thing that got virtualized is the x86 architecture. That's the smallest building block. That's what you virtualize. But that's not really, I mean, you're starting to see it like Amazon is doing the Hadoop uh, clusters. You can buy Hadoop nodes and get, you know, 10 of them to crunch on some problem or whatever and then release them when you're done. Like that kind of thing, mach- like machine learning or data mining as a service is really interesting. That says, okay, the the base building block now is no longer an x86 architecture. What it really is, is some architecture running a Java platform that has Apache Hadoop on it, 
and now I'm just interacting with an HDFS. I'm interacting with um, you know map and reduce processes running in that environment. Now it probably happens to be running on x86 or whatever, but importantly, it doesn't matter. That's like, right. You don't care. On, right. It could be running on an ARM chip. You don't. Who knows? Right. It doesn't matter. Um, so I see this. This this it's very young right now, but I'm very excited by looking at the way that the uh, various uh, things as a service, like uh, like Hadoop as a service, starts to get rolled out. It certainly makes sense to roll that kind of thing out on top of Amazon, but you, you gotta know that there is probably going to be a more efficient way to do that than to roll it out on a general purpose platform. Yeah, um, so that you bring up something interesting that I've been. Uh, paying attention to so the one of the things that Microsoft is doing in this space that I think is really interesting is they've got you know they've got the whole Azure platform yeah which is which they're really doing some cool stuff with so for instance and and by cool I mean they're just taking what they've always done and thinking about it in a different way and I think it's really encouraging to see the I think the server and and Azure divisions of Microsoft continue to do really innovative things. So for instance mm-hmm. in Azure you can they've they've stood up a uh, a message bus service where you can do you can do push messaging to any mobile platform. Really? Yeah, very interesting service and they have they're now doing for uh, for for companies they're doing hosted or Azure based active directory. Hmm. So I don't have to run my own Active Directory servers yeah, and maintain all idea. the infrastructure to have the the, you know, service. The, L, the service of Active Directory, which almost every company on the planet uses in some form or another. Yeah, you know, at least companies that aren't in the tech space. Sure. That's probably. But if you're a traditional business, you're probably using Active Directory for your credentialing and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. and so to have that hosted, I think is a really interesting. It's kind of like. Uh, it's like what you're talking about with Hadoop. I don't really care how they're doing it. Right. All I care about is that oh, the I've service got, is there. The service is there, and I don't. Yeah. And so being able to piece that kind of thing together with other services, now I can use the power of Active Directory, which is obviously very good. It's used worldwide. You know, millions and millions of users. It's obviously good. Now I've got that available just as something I can hook my five users to if I want to. Yeah. And not have to run. You know, my own server inside my own firewall, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. See that yeah, that's that's a great, you know, example. We had hoped to see that with the uh the the desktop or at least applications in the desktop uh back in the day. Remember Citrix, Metaphor yeah, and all that. That yep. was what that was all about. And it never really worked because it was just too heavy. That's right. You know, but I think something like that could eventually work nowadays, especially where people are essentially just driving web browsers all the time. Um, I think it's probably pretty interesting. Yeah, there's an interesting project with a company I know who's making all of the Windows OS HTML5 accessible. Really? Yeah. So it'll be interesting at uh, at some That's point when they when they get uh, when they release it, uh, we'll talk about it. Cool. That's very interesting. I hadn't heard of that. Why don't you talk about uh, TextWe? Well, we, uh, as if you listen to this show, you know that we a few months back launched a product called SwitchCoder, which moved the building of voice and SMS applications not only to the cloud, which had been done before, but you can actually write the application and host it at the carrier. Well, I had this idea a few 
I don't know, a few weeks ago and just sort of tooled on it in my head about what does it look like to build a command line SMS application? Can that be done? Can it be done well? Not only that, but can I use a single switch coder script to run the entire thing so that the site itself is really just a page? Yeah. And so I thought about this idea. My daughter plays a lot of tennis and one of the things, if you spent any time at tennis tournaments, one of the most frustrating things is when the weather <laughs> goes poorly, the communication around what's happening is god awful. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they have a they have a website for the tournament, and they update it whenever they feel like it. Nice. And so you're you know you're sitting in your car, you have no idea what's going on. You go back to the hotel, and then they're, they'll you know as soon as you get back to the, ho- the hotel, they'll tell you, oh yeah, place restarting. And it's just unbelievably aggravating. Yeah. So the use case that one of the use cases that I had in mind was this, this the ability to on the fly just using texting to create uh, groups that you could do blast text to. And so yeah. what, we came up with this idea of text. We we you know you and I start kicking around the idea. I think Monday or Tuesday of last week, mm-hmm. and then the site actually went live on Tuesday of this week, and the URL is txtwe.com. So if you're listening to the show, I'd love for you to check it out and drive it and you know post feedback wherever you can. It's uh, free obviously. to use. Free to use, and there's a premium version that's got where you can have your own number and do more interesting things, but the base service is free, and it's got a few restrictions around it to make sure we don't pay a fortune in texting, but outside of that, you can just using your text, just using the texting app on your phone, do some really cool things. So yeah, anyway, check that out. It's very interesting. You can uh, you just go to the web page. You'll see a phone number. You can just text to that number, and it'll walk you through setting everything up and getting everything going. It's very very simple. It's kind of command driven. You know, you yeah. fire commands away, and and you get answers back. Uh, it's really cool. Give it a give it a look. See, I think the really interesting thing about that is it went from idea to complete execution in uh seven days yeah so interesting that was fun stuff. to do yeah. yeah yeah definitely so scott is uh speaking at lesconf lesconf down in uh panama city florida this april uh if you guys had not heard uh go to lesconf.lesseverything.com uh and you can uh you can see what's going on not much is announced and so we will not be announcing what Scott will be talking about, but uh, uh, he and another, uh, you know, long list of uh, star-studded presenters will be uh, giving talks, and uh, you should come on down and, and check it out. It's a, uh, it's very much. I feel like it's kind of still really under the radar right now. I think um, that's right. There's only it's invite only, which is kind of fun, and the I think there's you know six or seven hundred people there tops. Yeah. And I think it's going to be really different from, I hope, what I've been, I, this is my first year, and you're going as well, this is your I first am. year. Yeah, I, I'm skipping Ted to go to this. Yeah, so I, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, if it lives, uh, I had a good friend of mine who recommended it, said it's the, it's, uh, the best thing he's ever been to in this realm yeah. So we'll see if we'll see if you and we'll I feel the same way. True. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We're we're running a little long. Next week, fiftieth episode retro spectacular with a mystery guest technology. It's going to be great. 
I can't wait. We've yeah. got some big, big, big things planned for the 50th episode. We've got good stuff. It's going to be pretty rocking. So definitely tune in. That'll be in two weeks. Uh, until then, we will see you next time.